0: Uh, I do have something I want to share with you here for a few minutes. And I believe that, um, you know, that it can help you if you'll receive it. Uh, if you'll listen to it because... And it goes, actually ties in exactly with what Pharaoh was talking about a few minutes ago. About all of this that we do, it always should come back to Jesus. Yeah. You know, and it's important who you look to all the time. Not just in, a, in this moment, but whether things are... What doesn't matter. It's all about the priority of Christ in our life. And I want to read you a couple verses... Beginning in Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to start in uh, I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. But a familiar passage of scripture, I actually shared one of these verses last week. But I want to spend a little bit more time on this this morning. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So in other words, he's saying, hey, who does everybody say that I am? What's everybody, who does everybody think I am what's their opinions of me all of these things what do, what do people say about me and so in verse 14 they said well some people say John the Baptist some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets and then Jesus asked them a very pointed very direct very important question but who do you say that I am see I think that's a question that we need to answer too for ourselves, not who is Jesus that your mom told you about, not Jesus that your pastor told you about, who do you say that Jesus is in your life?" Because it's a very important question. Yeah. Very important. I think it's interesting that Jesus asked him first, like, who, "What's my refutation? What does everybody think about me?" And then he almost pushes it aside and says, "Okay, let me get to the real question. Who do you say that I am? Because who you believe Jesus to be in your life really matters. Yes. Why? Because who you believe he is, is the degree of faith you can have in him. That's right. yeah. You can only to believe or put faith to the degree that you actually believe. Like, let me give you an example of this. If you believe that Jesus was a good man but not Savior, guess what? Your sins cannot be forgiven. Right. Why? Because you don't even actually believe in Christ as Savior. If you don't believe that Jesus is a healer, why would you pray and ask him to heal you? Why? Because it's who do you say that he is? Would you pray and ask Jesus for peace? Because he said, My peace, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna leave it here for you. But if you don't understand him to be the prince of all peace, there's no peace available. See, it matters how we view him. Do we view him in light of who he is through scripture or just through what we've heard or through experience? Many times we look at God through the lens of our experience and we say, well, this happened so God must. You ever been there? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the the most difficult seasons of my life was early in ministry. I won't even go into, some of you know details, but I won't even go into anything. It was brutal. It was a living hell. That's the unsanitized version (laughs) of it. And so we walked through that season, and it was very difficult. And then, you know, the time came where, where we knew the Lord had given us instructions about stepping out of that season. And I remember my brother-in-law, where is he? Back there. That's Pharaoh. He's the guitar guy. We're good friends. I, I like to make the joke that I like Pharaoh so much that I married his sister. Because I actually <laughs> knew him first. And, um, but I remember that he asked me one time about it. And he said, David, did you miss God going there? And I'm like, valid question. That's a, and Why? Because... He knew that it was rough. But I, but I knew in my heart that the Lord had sent me there. Now, even though, and, and look, what came out of it, and it's exactly what the Bible says, what the enemy intended to destroy, God has used. Not that God brought it about. The enemy brought it to destroy, and God said, I'm going to use that wound to heal. Now, here's the kicker to that. I had to get healed first before God could use me to help heal other people. Now, that was a process of time, but God was faithful. You know, but so many times, if we're not careful, like in that experience, because of, and I, you know, I don't want to go into the detail because it just doesn't matter, but someone in leadership had deeply wounded us. Deeply. Well, that could also make you untrusting. That can also make you very, keep everybody at a distance. Like, I'm not going to let anybody get close to me. Why? Because anybody who gets close to me can hurt me, and I don't want anybody to get close. But you know, that's not really a great place to live. And so, but what will happen is, even through experiences in life, we'll say, Well, God, you put me in that situation that was harmful. And so, because of that, now this is how I view God. If I would have done that, I would have never gotten healed. God would have never healed my heart. He would have never brought restoration about in my life. And I would not be standing here today. Why? Because I refuse to allow my circumstance to say something about God that the Word did not say. Because my circumstances said something different. And my own thoughts said something different about who God is than what my circumstances were trying to tell me. So that even in the midst of, of, of a, a trial, if you will, that I still could worship. And even when everything around me said, this hurts, I could still say God is good. And I could worship right in the midst of that, regardless of the circumstance. Paul said it. He says, look, we're distressed. We're di-. I mean, he's like, you know, he goes through the whole list. He says, man, I'm pressured on every side. He says, but I, or he says you know, he says it this way. He says, that I'm pressed in, but I'm not dismayed. I'm not overwhelmed by this moment. Yeah, there's pressure. Yes, there's question. Yes, there's things I don't understand. Go look at the life of Paul. He was beaten multiple times. He was shipwrecked multiple times. I mean, he got, you know, he was on his way to Rome. And get, after being shipwrecked and floating on shore, gets bit by a snake. And, it, and everybody watches like, man, God has got it out for this guy. That was that. And, they, and the Bible says this. They watched him to see if he would die. Because they're like, that was a poisonous snake. And Paul's thinking, ah, it's just another part of the story. Shakes it off in the fire. Now, I wouldn't do that. I'd be the one running because I don't like snakes. But I don't know what I would do if a snake bit me. But anyhow. But there are moments of challenge. And it matters who do you say that God is. Who do you say that Jesus is in your life? Let me give you another way or another verbiage if you will if you don't consider Jesus Lord it means you're still in control the Bible says that my life your life is no longer our own no longer and so anytime that I'm facing something dealing with something walking through something what do I do I need to look to the one who has given me life the same is true for you and so anytime that I face a challenge what's my response what does the word say What does the Word of God say about this circumstance, this lack, this this diagnosis, whatever it may be? What does God's Word say? Why? Because the Bible says that the Word brings hope. The word hope simply means a confident expectation for good. Confident expectation for good. You know without hope it's impossible to have faith? Hebrews 11.1 says what? That faith is the substance... Of things hoped for. In other words, hope has to be there for faith. Right? Let me say it this way. For an oven to to give you cookies, what do you have to do? Put some cookies in the oven, right? I mean, I've never just shown up at home and the oven's like, here's you some fresh baked cookies. Welcome home. It doesn't work like that. What? I have to put something in that oven. Well, the same thing is true with faith. Faith. You have to have hope, which is what? A confident expectation that God, you're not going to let me down, that you are faithful to me, that you are going to work this thing out. Yes. And because I have hope, now I can have faith. And the same, and so coming back to this scripture, my question to you this morning is, who is Jesus to you? Who is God in your life? Because it's an important question that I believe that we all need to answer. Like, well, why does it matter so much? Let's keep reading. So they responded, or Jesus asked the question, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answers and says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. So in other words, he's recognizing him as being the one sent from God to the ultimate to pay the ultimate price for sin and separation from God. And Jesus responds in verse 17, it says, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Other translations would say flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. In other words, Peter, you're not that smart. You had to, like God had to speak to you to figure this out. Verse 18 goes on, he says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my Church. Really, and some people have gotten this skewed because they believe that he's talking about Peter, like God's going to build his church on Peter. Well, no, that Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. So we know that to not be true. So that argument's already kind of out the way. But what is he saying is, Peter, on this revelation that you have had, I will build my church. I will build my church. I shared with you last week, that is God's dream, that's God's desire. It's not about building buildings, it's about touching people. Because every number has a name, every name is a story, and every story represents a life that Jesus died for. And so here, God, it really, it's this understanding, this revelation that Peter has in this moment. And Peter and Jesus tells me, he says, upon this understanding of who I am, I will now build the church on. It's what? Understanding that Jesus is alone the Messiah. Yeah. There is no other. It's all about him. It's always been about him and it's always been for him. Right. The Bible says that he's from everlasting. John 1 says before there was anything, there was Jesus. It says everything that was created came through him. I mean, you you, you kind of think about all that and you're like, Jesus didn't just appear on the scene one day in the span of human history and God just say, okay, I'm going to use that one as Messiah. No, it was God's plan all along. um, The second part of verse 18, the last part there, says, I will build my church upon this revelation. It says, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, a better understanding of those verses is this, is that the all, and really, it says that when the kingdom of God would advance, that basically, and I'm going to put it in my paraphrase, there's nothing the devil can do to stop the kingdom of God. We make it sound like that, you know, is it, because of the way it's word, it says the powers of hell will not conquer it. No, hell is more afraid of us than we are of it. Right. The devil's actually more afraid of us and me and you than we are actually of him or should be. Why? Because the Bible says he's a defeated foe. And so we simply walk out our victory. But it matters exactly what it was to Peter, because you notice that Jesus is asking a group of people, Who does everybody say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter likes to be first, so of course he's the one who speaks up. But he says, You are the Christ, you're the Messiah. It's it's not just a small moment. It's a revelation. To us, it's a foregone conclusion. But to them, it was a revelation. You ever had a moment where all of a sudden you understand a scripture for the first time? And it's like, oh. That's what. I I didn't realize. Peter just had one of those moments. Is that Peter is actually following Christ up until this moment. Not really fully understanding who he is. I believe many people follow Christ not really fully understanding who he is. They call themselves Christians. They come to church. They, they play the part. They look the part. But the reality is they've not actually gotten a full view of him. Look, I grew up in church. So I'm not speaking from theory. This is actually my experience. I heard a lot about Jesus, but there came a day that I encountered and I understood who he was and why it mattered. That's an important day. Not just that I believe in Jesus as some theory, some abstract thought. No, he was a person and that the Bible speaks multiple times about him and his role and that he is supreme. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus returns that everyone will will do what? They will open their mouth and they will profess him as king. The Bible says that we will take our crowns, which is all of our righteousness, all of our goodness. And we're going to lay them at his feet. Yes. Why? Because he alone's worthy. Amen. I mean, you go, you know, and I understand some of the book of Revelation is kind of strange. Well, it's prophetic. Many times we won't understand it until after it happens. We're like, oh, that's what that was talking about. Okay. That was really weird. But you take somebody from thousands of years ago and try to describe even what's happening right now and today. They'd never seen a, a really a, a car, <laughs> I mean, much less a plane. Wow. You know, he talks about locusts, t- you're like, what does that look like? He had never seen a tank. How do you describe something like that if you don't even understand an engine, like <laughs> mechanics at all, really? But you go and look throughout scripture multiple times, it talks about Christ is that he alone is worthy. Yeah. He, alone. Yeah. he alone. He alone. He alone. And there will come a moment where we will see him in all of his glory, and all of his goodness. But I believe that we're also can and should live our lives that way now. Is that he's the most important thing. He is the one that we're serving. He is the one that we're glorifying. He is the one that we need to get people to encounter. I don't, and I don't mean this wrongly, but I, and I believe you'll understand what I mean by this. Is we don't need people to come and encounter church. We need people to come to church. For what? So we can help them experience Jesus. Now he's not confined to a church. People can experience Jesus through you. At work tomorrow, in your neighborhood tomorrow, today at lunch. You can be Jesus to somebody. Then that could be the very thing that what? That opens up their heart to the gospel. It could be the very thing that God wants to use. And, and so we have to understand that it's all about him. Yes. Jesus made the statement. He says, look, if I'll be lifted up, he says, I will draw all men. Now that's, he was talking about how he would die there. Ultimately, he's saying, if I get lifted up on the cross... I will draw all men unto me. Well, that's true. But I also believe that that's even true today. If we would just allow God to be God, who Christ is in our life, to just really come in and change us and reshape us into the very image of him who laid down his life for us. I believe it's attractive. People look at it and say, man, there's something different about you. I need to experience. Like, I mean, I had friends when I got saved because, like I said, I grew up in church. I was a church-going heathen, you know what I'm saying? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Nobody? Y'all are all righteous. All right, praise the Lord. Just me. No, uh, that's awesome. For a long time, that was me. Why? Because I had no connection. It was just the faith of my mom and my daddy. But there came a moment where I was, it was like, if this is real, I want to experience it. And the thing is, is that even after that, I didn't have to tell people I changed. I changed in ways I didn't even think about. Never even had a thought. But things begin to, to reshape and begin to, desires begin to change. Not because I consciously thought of it, just because my heart had changed. And because my heart changed, everything else began to shift. And it's still going on today. I don't know about you, but I'm still in the process of being saved. And I'm thankful because if this is... This is the best God can do. I'm not satisfied. I want more. I've experienced the goodness of God, but I don't want to sit back and say, well, I'm good enough. No, I want to press forward. I want to move to what God has for me. Why? Because I believe that I've not experienced the fullness of Christ yet in my life. So I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pushing forward. Why? Because it's, it really is God's heart and God's desire for us. Now, let me give you some, a few more scriptures and we we'll give you a little bit more in context here. It comes out of Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. I'm going to read down to verse 23. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God would look like walking around on the earth, go read about Jesus. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing all. That's who Jesus was. That's who the Father is. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything, anything was created. And he is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Now... Let me stop there for a moment. Do you know why you were created? It's not just to fulfill a purpose. It's not just for some random cosmic reason. The Bible says that everything was created through Christ and for Christ. You were created for what? For relationship with Him. You were created to what? Reflect His goodness to people. You were created to influence people. So that what? So that he is magnified. That he is glorified. That he is exalted. Verse 17 says, He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's good news for all of us. God was, let me, I don't mean any disrespect, but God was ticked off in heaven. And when Jesus came and became a sacrifice, guess what? God was no longer angered. Now go before the Father. Verse 21, it continues and says, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies and separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. It says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. It says, As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I have to receive that verse by faith. Why? Because the last part that it says that I can stand before God without a single fault. And I'm like, well, God, I know I got some faults. But yet it says I stand before him without a single fault. So I have to receive that by faith because I'm my harshest critic by far. So I have to receive even what scripture is saying about Christ is that, look, I don't have to feel it to believe it. I don't have to feel it or even recognize it to what? To say I receive that by faith. It's not about me anyways. It's not about you. It's about Christ because He is supreme. Verse 23, and this is important. It says, But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift. It says you must continue, continue, continue. Stay steadfast. Don't turn away. Don't back off. You keep pressing in. Why? Because Christ is head of the church. He is supreme. He is important. He is to be glorified. He is to be worshipped. Not a church. Not a building. Not any other human being. Amen. Amen. And so I, and I realized during this moment that some of you, and look, and you can include me in this, can be shaken But you're my pastor. Technically, no, I'm not. Technically, Christ is. The Bible says he is the good shepherd. I am under him. In other words, he has called me so that you can see me because you can't necessarily see him. But he is the head of the church. It's his church, not my church. And so anything that he wants to do, it's his. You're not going to come to my house and tell me how to arrange my refrigerator. Why? Because I paid for it. I'm going to put in there what I want. You can come and judge me and be like, these are unhealthy. This is going to kill you. It's my refrigerator, okay? And because it's my refrigerator in my house, I'm going to put what I want to in it. A constant supply of bluebell, number one. That's for another day and another story. But, so think of it this way. I I just gave you the illustration of me standing at, at my fridge. Okay, if it's Christ's church, and we really believe it's his church, do we get to tell him what he does? Or when he does it? I mean, this is, see, the thing about Jesus being Lord means that we are followers. Right. I mean, that's what the very word, Lord, it means, hey, you're supreme, you're in charge. And you're like, well, now, don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you to do what I'm telling you. That's, that's the last, what I'm telling you is, I need you to pray. We are spiritual people First. And I need you to pray and to seek the Lord. You know, one of the verses that the Lord really has put in my heart about this moment, and I've yet to communicate it to you, but I will now. It actually goes back to a series that we were teaching back in May, I believe. It was May or end of April, but I think it was in May. But it was about hearing the voice of God. And in verse 9, there's a verse, and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, if you will follow me, I will lead you into good pastures. You know, and I shared this thought with you last week. And, and so I'll share it again because I mean this. Is that allow me the opportunity to pastor you through this process. You don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the answers. Our leadership doesn't have to have all the answers. But if you will allow me to walk with you through this moment. I promise you that there is a good pasture. In other words, you're just like, well, what does that mean? We don't understand the context of really that verse. Of course, John ten ten says what? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you would have life and have it to its fullness. Right? So what Jesus is telling us, if you will follow the Lord, the good shepherd, the enemy can't touch you. But you got to follow. And why? Because he's going to take you to a place where there's good grass. He's going to take you to a place where there's good food. Now, we don't understand this, but I can give you the context. I shared this with you previously. In the nation of Israel, it's a very rocky area. There's not pasture land like we have. I mean, we go, you know, got acres and acres and acres of open grass. And so we can take cow and just throw them out there and say, eat to the heart's content until we're ready to eat you. And, uh, <laughs> but they can just go and eat. We, we don't have shepherds. We don't understand this concept. But there... They had to move their flocks constantly because what? They had little little pop-ups of grass. Well, a herd of sheep could pretty well clear a mountainside in a day. So they had to go to a new place to find food the next day. And what I'm asking of you is to allow me the opportunity to pasture you. Why? Because there, there is a field. It's not my field. It's the Lord's field. But if you'll allow me to walk with you through this. Because I understand it's challenging. It's challenging for us. So don't let the enemy tell you, oh, you don't understand. Let me say this. You don't understand what we have to go through either. Because it's challenging for us. Why? Because we didn't show up here as a hireling. That would be much easier in this moment. But I, it's just not, I can't do that. I'm not wired that way. I just, I'm not. But I do know the voice of God in my life. And I can look back just like, and I told you one example of Miss Virginia, of somebody who spoke in my life. I can't tell you how many people that I look back on multiple times, multiple times, multiple times, multiple times that God has been speaking. I had dinner with Pastor Rob Floyd. Some of you know him. He's, one of them. He's the other overseer Over me in the church. He was here, actually, the Wednesday after Miss Virginia said that to us. Or to me. That Wednesday, he was quizzing me after service that night. And asking me some things. He's like, what's going on in the church? What's happening? But if you know, which Farrell and I actually served with Brother Rob for a number of years in Tennessee. uh, He has a way of just looking right through your soul. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say that. Just like I could lie, but it'll do no good. So, might as well just tell you the truth. He just—I don't know. It's just—it's a, a gift. And uh, but he was so. Anyhow, so I was dodging questions, trying to, anyways, because I knew in my heart that I was like, this may be the Lord, but I wasn't certain because it was all super fresh. So I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago now, and he said I knew when I was there at the service that night that the Lord kept saying, "Change is coming. Change is coming. Change is coming." And he said, "I just didn't know what." I mean, and again, I can't tell you, even prophetically speaking, it's more than just five or six. I mean, multiple, multiple things that God has just been pointing things out and setting this thing up. I look at this that God, and I really look back at it, as even and I shared this at the very beginning of this morning, is that three and a half years ago, me and Pastor Jason were supernaturally connected in an unusual way. But I know it was the Lord. Now, I didn't know what God was up to. I had no idea. But I can look back now and I see where God has been working for multiple years to bring us to this moment. And you're like, well, I don't know about all this. This seems crazy to me. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Welcome. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) But this is what I know is that when God is in it, The Bible says he makes a crooked way straight. He makes things that can be very challenging smooth. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have moments. Look, we're human beings. I know some of you may not believe this. I actually have emotions. I mean, I know that might be shocking to some of you. But I do. I mean, I still have to wrestle with things. But it goes back to, I I know what the Lord has spoken I know in my heart, and the end of the thing is going to be better than the beginning. Amen. You're like, well, you know, I mean, I remember, which I know he wouldn't, I think he even shared this last week. Uh, I remember when uh, we were talking with Joey, one of the things he said was, do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears we have? You know, or at least that, maybe that was his thought. I don't know that you said it. But just because, I mean, I realize many of you believe God to be in this building, and you worked hard to get here. And you're like, man, like, what about all these let me think 17 years now that our church has been a church was all of that for nothing absolutely not it's a foundation that God says hey I'm ready to build something even greater on that's right. I mean that's the thing about a great building it needs a better foundation yes. and, and so God has been working God has been building God has been why because it's not just about us Amen. That's right. this is about God doing something in our city way beyond just that we see because I believe that God has great things in mind for El Dorado. Amen. Yes. I really do. Yes. And I'm excited that, number one, I get to be a part of it. Amen. That I get to stay a part of it. I mean, that's unusual in and of itself. Right. But, I, but I can see how God is orchestrating and bringing these things together. And, and as I said, I've still got questions. I know you've got questions. And when I can tell you, I will. <laughs> it's not because I'm withholding information. It's because I don't know anything else yet. <laughs> But we will be communicating some things that are going to be going on. He's like, well, when's this gonna happen? We don't know. What about this? We don't know. But if you do have questions, please come and talk to us. Let's sit down, let's talk. Why? Because the the one thing the enemy would want you to do is to isolate yourself. Isolation brings insulation, right? I do electric, well, I say that. I did electric work with Pastor Jason. We're no longer, I'm not doing it anymore. But this is what I know. If I go grab grab a live wire that has no insulation on it, guess what? I'm going to get hurt. And unfortunately, that happens more than I would like to acknowledge. But it does happen. But... What also happens is the reverse of that is this. Is that when we have question and when things are going on, the enemy wants to get us isolated. Why? Because what? Healing not only just comes from God, but it also comes through his people. That's right. Go read James chapter 5 and really read the verse. It says, forgive your sins and you'll be forgiven by God. But then you go and talk to somebody else that healing may come. Yeah. So the enemy would love for you to just say, nope, I'm done. Get away from me. And just isolate, get insulated, and just distance yourself from the body. But yet, there's healing in the body. In relationship, in connection, and in relationship, there's God working in our life. So I want to encourage you this morning. I realize that some of you, it's kind of just sinking in, and some of you, this is new news. But who do you identify with Christ being. Is he your good shepherd, like supreme, number one, most important? Is he your shepherd? Because if he is, he's faithful. Just like that verse I shared with you out of Psalms 100. He's faithful to every generation without fail. And God will continue to work. And I believe what God wants to do is so much greater than what we can see right now. But that also means that there has to be some changes. There has to be some adjustments. There's some things that have to come about for God to bring that to past. And I don't want to stand before God saying I was too afraid to take a step. I want to say, God, I'm not sure if it was you, but man, I, we took a step and it was pretty awesome what you did with it, even if it wasn't you. Now you're like, well, does that mean, you don't think this is the Lord? No, I believe it is. But I also know that, that God is faithful. God is good. And he's faithful to me, just like he's faithful to you, and he's going to walk right with us through this process. And we're going to see God do more and more. And I believe the impact of what we're going to see in our city is so much greater than what we can see today. And so this is what I would a couple of things. Number one, I'll just give you a couple of practical things. Number one, pray for yourself. right? right? Why? Because We're getting ready to expand. I shared with you last week that the two things that the Lord spoke to me about this year were about expansion and acquisitions. I had no idea what that meant in January. No idea. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. It's different than what I would have thought, than what I would ever put in my mind, but yet I still see where it's the Lord. You know, and so number one, you got to pray for yourself. Why? Because anytime there's expansion, sometimes it can be challenging. For even on a personal level. I mean, if you don't believe that, just try to move. It's a bit of a pain to have to move your house. I hate packing. I really do. I hate packing. I'm like, just sell it all. We'll go get something different. But, but the other thing that I would ask for you to do is to pray for us as leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, Pastor Jason, the board, we've got a lot of decisions to be making. And they're very important decisions. You know, but just that we would have wisdom. And then also, you can pray over our churches. Now, right now, we're saying our churches, but at some point, the language will shift and we will be a church. And so, you need to pray that, man, my heart's ready to start connecting with new people at a different level. You're like, well, I don't know what that's going to look like, and I don't like that. Heaven's going to be a lot of people. I'm just telling you, it won't be a few people. So, there's going to be a lot of folks. But again, we're spiritual people. We're not natural people. I mean, we have a a natural being, yes. But we are spirit beings first. So how do you deal with spiritual things? You deal with them spiritually. So you need to pray. Ask the Lord, prepare my heart. If I need to make any adjustments in me, I'm open. Lord, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then you just simply do what the Lord tells you. You don't do what I tell you, do what he tells you. He's more (laughs) important. Amen.